It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. On this Thursday, October 26th, we're talking at Minnesota Twins Baseball with our good friend at Rhett Bollinger, our Twins reporter for MLB.com. Rhett, we thank you for the time on this uh, travel day for the 2017 World Series, which is now even at one win apiece following that uh, rather crazy, wacky uh, Game 2 win by the Astros last night in L.A. as they take it 7-6 in 11 innings, a uh, combined eight home runs, the most ever for a World Series game uh, in baseball history. But, Rhett, the the thing I want to get your take on is that, you know, following that game, kind of the buzz this morning uh, throughout, uh, you know, the media and through fans on on social media too – was that uh, this was like an all-time epic game and an instant classic in the World Series. And I can understand why some people feel that way with all the extra uh, extra inning drama and all the home runs, the likes of which we've never seen in a single uh, fall classic game before. But maybe I'm just being a, a stick in the mud or a wet blanket or something in between. I don't know. But I don't quite see it that way. I see it as a very fun, entertaining game that certainly kept your attention. But – to put it in that pantheon of, of great all-time games, I need something more than guys just, you know, swinging for the fences all night. What's how? What are your feelings on it? Well, I was lucky enough to be there as a fan last night. Uh, I came home to Los Angeles where I'm from. Uh, I was able to get two tickets each for the first two games here. Took my dad, <clears throat> I took my dad to game one and had a great time with him. Took my cousin to game two last night. Uh, I will say the atmosphere was incredible uh, for both the games. Dodger Stadium was rocking, huge crowds even though the start time at 5 o'clock isn't exactly ideal with traffic and all that. The crowds are still incredible, especially, you know, 29 years since they've played. You're right in saying it was just a lot of home runs. It all kind of happened late. There wasn't that as, you know, wasn't as much early drama. It was more uh, just, you know, all the home runs uh, late. Obviously, the, the game tying home run. I think the big thing was, of it was just the odds of it happening, you know. How good Kenley Jansen's been. You know, he's got Marvin Gonzalez down 0-2. Never give up a home run 0-2 all year. I think even in his career, even. Uh, to give up that home run just kind of sunk the life out of Dodger Stadium. Sure enough, you know, with, uh, you know, Altuve and Correa going deep the next inning, and then, you know, the two-run home run uh, the next inning after that, and the Dodgers come back. So it was just a crazy game all around, uh, and it definitely evens, you know, even the series makes it more exciting in that sense. I think you got right. Some of it's just the immediacy of it. I think people forget just how good Game 7 was last year, yeah. uh, that, you know, Indian series against the Cubs. So, I think it's just an immediate effect. You know, the day after a great game like that, you always want to say it's one of the best ever. Um, but is it game seven of the 87 World Series? Or sorry, the 91 World Series? Probably not. But it was still a fun one. I'm definitely glad that I was there. I was able to take it in with one of my family members and have a good time just to say that I was there to see it. it was incredible. Um, and it is definitely a memorable game to see the way it went down late. And we'll kind of see how the rest of the series goes. So it has been one of those series so far where really the offense in general for both teams has definitely been home runs or nothing. Yeah, it really has, and, and that kind of, uh, in a nutshell, describes what baseball has become in, in 2017 with uh, strikeouts on the rise and home runs on the rise. They kind of go hand-in-hand, hand. 
and we saw a perfect example uh, of that trend uh, in one game last night in 11 innings as, again, the Astros won 7-6. And, you know, Rhett, of course, you had the great perspective as uh, you, you've been to a you know countless number of games, but you got to go to this game as a fan. So as I'm watching the game, you know, here from uh, Chelsea Market last night at uh, MLB.com's headquarters, you know, as great as the home runs were, the play that got, you know, that gave me the goosebumps was Kike Hernandez tying the game in the 10th on, lo and behold, a, a little old single. <laughs> you know, it was it was with two outs and I believe two strikes. So the Dodgers down to the literally their final strike of the game. Hernandez goes opposite field. A strong throw from Josh Reddick. Logan Forsyth beats the tag at the play on a close play. So as great as the home runs were, and, and tell me from your perspective as a fan, did that kind of ignite the crowd more than any of the other home runs, or am I way off here? You're definitely right. I think that was definitely the loudest the stadium got all night. I mean, obviously the go-ahead home run from Seager was huge. This is that feeling of thinking, oh, wow, here's the you know another late lead. There's no way the bullpen's going to blow this. But uh, I think Kike Hernandez, just his story, he's such a likable guy. You know, the stuff he's doing for Puerto Rico, the fact that he had three home runs in the clincher has always been a fan favorite in L.A. Uh, he's even more so now with, you know, some rogues recently. So when he hit that, you know, game-tying single and then obviously gets the second base and the throw home, we're thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, this team has so much magic. Are they going to pull it off here and then end it with another single and win the game? But obviously the Astros got that jam, and it wasn't to be with Houston ended up winning. But I do think you're right. I think the crowd itself, the loudest it was all night, at least in my opinion, for being there, was definitely the, the, the game-tying single there uh, from a guy that they love in T.K. Hernandez. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, the crowd in general was just, you know, kind of rolling with it. You know, the game, you know, the home runs for the Dodgers were – Certainly loud, but uh, you know the, the Astros home runs, you know, quieted the crowd for sure. But I do think the biggest moment in terms of the crowd reaction was definitely just that that game tying single from uh, Kike Hernandez. Yeah, and and I think part of the reason was again, you know, you you have uh, you have a hit, you have a, a great defensive throw, you have a close play at home, you had all those elements in one play that you just don't get with home runs. And I'm not trying to throw a, a wet blanket on home <laughs> runs. They're great. We all love them, especially in person. You, just, you saw eight of them last night, which was an all-time yeah. record for the World Series, and that's awesome. But I just think, you know, to, to put it in that category of, you know, great all-time games, there's got to be something more than guys just swinging for the fences. We'll see, you know, what Game 3 brings and beyond as the, the series now tied at one win apiece. And uh, kudos to the Astros for pulling that one out against uh, Kenley Jansen, who's been, you know, nearly invincible all year. And uh, I'm sure we're in for, you know, if you can't call game two epic, maybe the series becomes epic like we had last year between the Cubs and the Indians. So time will tell. Uh, Rhett, getting to the uh, the news of the day, though, on the Twins' end of things, a new pitching coach is uh, in the fold as uh, Garvin Alston is uh, going to be taking over that role for the Twins under Paul Molitor uh, in 2018. I don't know if Alston is a very recognizable name uh, around baseball. It, it's an it's a name that's it's new to me. He's been around. He's got you know quite a resume and a pedigree, obviously, uh, to get this role. But kind of give us some background on him and if there's uh, any pre existing relationship between himself and uh, skipper Paul Molitor. As you said, it's not really the big name hire in a sense. You know, the Twins had some options out there with so many pitching changes so far, or sorry, pitching coach changes so far this this off season. Some big name guys. Whether Chris Bazio, the former Cubs pitching coach, who was Molitor's teammate before, you know, you had Carl Willis, a former Twin, uh, you know, former uh, you know Red Sox uh, pitching coach, uh, even Jim Hickey, who was down in uh, Tampa Bay. There were some big names out there, but uh, they wanted to go with someone a little bit more new blood, someone to understand analytics a little bit better, uh, someone that had worked in multiple roles. He had been a you know a bullpen coach. Um, he had worked even with rehabbing pitchers for a long time. 
which kind of helped in terms of getting a better feel for mechanics and how to keep guys healthy. Um, so they really think he's kind of an up-and-comer uh, in Austin, and a guy that really liked his personality. They thought he kind of meshed his team really well. Um, that's the big thing you talk with his front office and with Mauder, and a big thing about this is just kind of collaboration and communication and all that. Um, and this is a really personable guy who's easy to get along with, very energetic, uh, which is something they're definitely looking for. And, and, and the previous pitching coach had those same qualities in terms of being a good people person too and Neil Allen, but they wanted someone with a little bit different uh, philosophy in general. And I think the big thing with him is that he doesn't really have just one philosophy. I think, you know, Allen was more of a change-up type guy. He had kind of his own overriding philosophy. This guy's more tailored to each pitcher. So I think that's the kind of thing they've been doing in general with this organization. It's been a big thing under Salvi is I don't know what works for each pitcher individually because every pitcher is differently. So I think every pitcher will have a different scouting report, plan, breakdowns. Uh, they've been really big in analytics and video with the help of uh, Jeremy Hefner, their video coordinator for, for the pitchers. Um, so I think this is a guy that really feel like in Austin they can kind of help advance them uh, as they're going forward in terms of, you know, data, in terms of keeping guys healthy, and just, you know, and, and information, too, to, to kind of make these pitchers better on an individual level instead of just some overriding philosophy. Um, so it's definitely an interesting hiring because, like I said, I didn't know much about him, too, to be honest, before he was hired. But uh, just from being, you know, on the conference call and hearing what he had to say and, what Salvi and Mauder had to say, it seems like he's a good fit for this organization and kind of has that same kind of mentality as, you know, last year they hired James Rousen as their hitting coach, um, a guy most people didn't really know much about either, but had worked a lot in the minor leagues with, with the Yankees, with guys like Gary Sanchez and, and Aaron Judge, um, and came over well-recommended. And sure enough, uh, you know, Buxton and all these young guys really credited him uh, with, with their development. So I think that's kind of one of the things with the young team is that they wanted to hire someone too who had some minor league experience, too, and had a little bit more um, development. Because I think this is not a finished staff by any means. I think they're going to have a lot of young relievers coming up, too. So it's just a young team. So I think they wanted someone that could connect a little better than an experienced, established guy. So while it was a little surprising to see uh, Austin hired, I think in a lot of ways it made a lot of sense. Yeah, and as you said, uh, for this team to interview the likes of Carl Willis and Jim Hickey, who have, uh, you know, coached uh, guys who have won Cy Youngs and, and have, had, have had great team success over the past couple of years and to see them land elsewhere and for the Twins to go with a guy who is not as proven as a Willis or a Hickey really speaks to how highly they think of Garvin Alston and it'll be interesting to see what he does with some of the younger arms like you said like Jose Barrios and Edelberto Mejia for 2018 and uh, all signs point to a pretty intriguing fit. Uh, right as we come down the home stretch, uh, Paul Molitor himself signing a three-year extension. Uh, were there discussions about this during the year, or was this tabled until after the season? What was kind of the timetable uh, for those negotiations? Yeah, I was totally tabled after the year, which is kind of surprising in a sense. Part of it, they didn't want to have a distraction. Uh, but from talking to Falvey, Falvey decided even in September that, that he wanted Molitor back. He never actually told him that specifically because he didn't want to distract from him. He knew there could be other you know, changes to the coaching staff. It ended up only being a change to the pitching coach uh, position. Um, but the front office did kind of make that decision. They wanted him back. And I'm sure Mauder probably got that sense just because the way the season went, you know, to have that great August, to go into September uh, the way they did and, and to win that second wild card spot, uh, Mauder had to feel pretty good about his chances. But it was definitely interesting because once the season ended, you know, there was a couple days, you know, they had to sit there and negotiate for about five days. There were some uh, leaked uh, info that he had accepted the job, which wasn't quite true yet. So that had to get pushed back uh, about three or four days after that announcement. First, or so that uh, information first came out, uh, I believe, on a Thursday. He didn't get announced on the next Tuesday. So it's kind of an interesting process the way it took a little longer than expected. But 
Um, at the end of the day, the players all love Molitor. He has a good relationship with the front office. He's become more willing to embrace his analytics as well. Um, and a three-year deal gives him a little bit more uh, comfort in a sense. You know, there's a chance maybe he could have gotten a two-year deal or two years and an option. But I think that given what he did, and you know, especially this season, uh, it made a lot of sense to bring him back. Um, there was obviously a little bit of a talk just because he wasn't hired by this regime. He was hired by Terry Ryan. So maybe they want their own guy. Um, but at this point, with the, what, or sorry, the success he had this season, uh, it just made too much sense for him to, to be back. And I think it also made some sense to kind of have the voice in terms of the pitching side. I know that Salvi is very into the uh, the pitching side of things. So for him to kind of get his own guy there made sense. But I do think that leader, the leader of the team is Paul Motter, and I think they did the right decision uh, to bring him back. Yeah, no sense in rocking the boat. Uh, we saw what Molitor did, uh, transforming a 100-loss-plus club uh, the year before into a postseason team and uh, hopefully uh, bigger things on the horizon for the Twins in 2018. Time will tell. Rep Bollinger, uh, great stuff as always. We appreciate the time, and we'll do it again at this time next week. In the meantime, Matt Wehmeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras, Minnesota Twins. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.